Bible, turn to the book of Proverbs, if you would. Proverbs chapter 21. That may sound like a strange place. We are supposed to be in First Chronicles or Second Chronicles 32, or First Chron First Chronicles. Sorry about that, but we're not going there tonight. Um, and you say, well, we're going to leave that message undone. Yes. Um, and you say you left Wednesday night undone. Yes. <clears throat> and you didn't finish this morning's message. Yes. <laughs> And guess what? I didn't even finish last Sunday morning's message. <clears throat> but we're going we're, we're gonna to try to finish something, all right? So um, I would like to look at what we've been looking at on Wednesday nights uh, and finish up the Wednesday night study that we've been doing on kings. And, uh, and I believe that it'll be a benefit to us and help. And I just... As I was praying and asking God for direction, I just felt that's what the Lord would um, have us do. So um, we're going to look at Proverbs in just a few moments. Uh, let's uh, pray and ask God to direct our steps and give us his wisdom and help tonight. Uh, Father, I am very grateful that the Word of God has answers for life. And I'm thankful that we have opportunity uh, this evening to... Uh, look once again at uh, the wisdom that you gave Solomon so that he would write uh, about kings and, and princes in the book of Proverbs that might be of help and guidance and direction to our lives. Even, uh, even today, thousands of years later, and even though we may not fall in the realm of or be a king or a prince. And so, Give us understanding. I pray that our time would be fruitful and that it would be helpful as we uh, continue in that study and, um, and even as we spend a little bit of time in review. And we'll thank you for your help. We pray these things and ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. I have the outline that's been out on Wednesday night. So if you are working through that, that's fine. But I wanted to make some available because I figured we might have some folks here that aren't here on Wednesday nights normally, so you'll get to see what goes on a little bit in our study. We don't have as much time usually on Wednesday night to spend uh, on a passage because we have the prayer time, but it's important for us to understand what the Bible says. And we've been studying in the book of Proverbs, and we took up a topic that's rather interesting, uh, one that actually was a surprise to me. Forty-four times in, in 40 different verses, uh, we find Solomon talking about kings in some way. Now, a couple, couple times that's in reference to a king. King Hezekiah, later on in the book, in chapter 1 and verse 1, King Solomon. Uh, but other than that, we find a lot of practical instructions and guidelines for kings. And I asked the question, and I can ask it again tonight, do we have any kings or princes here tonight? And that's what I expected. We haven't had any in the last two Wednesday nights, and uh, we don't have any this evening. And I get that. I understand that. I grasp that fact. And yet, there are lessons for us to be learned from this. And I think, actually, tonight is a good time for us to look at the subject because I always seek, in an election year, to preach on the subject of how to, make, how to vote and, and what to do for uh, in an election year, and, and what God wants a Christian to do. Uh, in fact, you say, wow, it's a little bit early. Well, I'm trying to get early because when I first came to Spring Meadow back in 2001, the first election after that, I don't remember when it was, maybe it was in 2001, first election after I got here, uh, the, the Sunday before Tuesday election day, 
I stood up and I had this message prepared. I was all fired up. We were going to preach about it and help people on a Sunday evening understand Bible truths about election and what a Christian should do in regard to that. And so we kind of introduced the, the, the evening, and, uh, and I said, uh, and so when you go to vote this Tuesday, and I, there's this look on everyone's face that was out in the auditorium, like, what do you, what do you mean by that? And, you know, the election day was Tuesday, so I'm thinking everyone's going to go and vote. And then I realized, or at least I found out, I think it was actually after the service, that every, everyone but my wife and I, I think, in the church had already voted. Early voting. And then I realized it's kind of a rite of passage in Tennessee that you vote during the early period. No one goes on election day. Or like 15 people, I think, vote on election day. Everyone else votes in the early period. At least that was generally pretty much the thing. And so, so see, I'm starting early. This is tonight. Tonight's message is very early, so no one has voted yet. You haven't even voted in the early election, see? So we can help you with this. Uh, and uh, actually, that's not the reason we're preaching it tonight, but I thought that was pretty good. By the way, when they, um, when, when in an election year, they always give a Christian voter's guide. And I think that what we're looking at right now in the book of Proverbs, this would be a, a Solomon's Christian voter guide. Because Solomon, as he talks about kings and rulers, he's sharing with us what, what a king and what a ruler is supposed to do, what a king or a ruler is supposed to be. And, uh, and so there's some, some great lessons to be learned and gleaned from this study as you look at those who are running for office. And you say, Master, none of them are even going to come close. You are right. And I'll tell you, that is a, just a shame. It really is. It's, it's shameful that we can't have and we can't vote on people that at least are somewhat following to some extent. But I always say this, that uh, as a Christian, we look for the person who best fits the scriptural mandate and scriptural picture. And I'm thankful that Solomon has taken time to talk about this. But there's another direction that we've been going with our, our lesson on Wednesday night. As we talk about kings and princes, we're talking about people who are in a position of authority. And there is a, an application that those who are in leadership positions can make. Now, you might say, well, I'm not a leader in anything. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I'm not a leader in that sense. But the truth is, in your home, dads are supposed to be leaders, and so are moms. Um, in, uh, in the workplace, you may have a position of authority as a boss. So there are lessons to be learned and things to be gleaned. And that's what we've been walking through and studying in the book of Proverbs. And I have got to review this real quickly, all right? So I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning of the lessons for leaders. That's how we entitled things. And we kind of introduced three ways we can approach these instructions. I'm going to give them to you real quick. So if you want them for your outline, those that maybe haven't been with us, you can go ahead and write these things in if you can write fast. But this subject that we're dealing with kings informs, uh, informs all men what godly authority looks like. And that's why I say it's a benefit in, the, in an election year. It's also a help for anyone who is a leader. It informs us all men what godly authority looks like. 
This subject of kings in, in the book of Proverbs guides those that are under authority to know what godly leaders need. Because there are many times he mentions kings and then he says, this is what a king looks for. This is what a king needs. And he talks about us then, those that would be under authority in that sense. And then the third thing we mention is that this gives instructions for all who might be in authority in any way. And, uh, and it's true. So if you're an authority, if you're a dad, you're a mom. If you are an authority at work, if you are someone who has those under you, there are lessons for you to learn. So we got to the information, Roman numeral two, some information. And we're in the midst of characteristics of good authorities. Now I had you turn to Proverbs chapter 21 because it's the one verse of probably all of them that we, we are going to look at and all throughout the book of Proverbs that doesn't actually have a point to it. So before we get into and start looking at the characteristics of good authorities again, and we pick up, we're going to get to number nine. I got like eight to give you real quickly in just a moment. I just want to read this verse and remind you of a great truth that encourages my heart when I look at what's going on in Washington and all around us. The Bible says the king's heart, here's that reference to a king, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. I am always greatly encouraged when I come to the, the book of Proverbs and specifically this verse to be reminded that no matter who gets elected, even if they unfairly are elected, even if they cheat, um, that God is in control ultimately of authority. And there is a sense in which God's will will be accomplished. Um, there are times when God in the Bible worked in and through even pagan kings to do what was right for God's people. Ezra was sent back to the, to the promised land to meet the needs and help the people as they were rebuilding. Um, and he was sent by Cyrus, king of Persia, a pagan king. Nebuchadnezzar was used by God a few different times. King Darius learned some great truths about God and was influenced by a godly man by the name of Daniel who refused to, um, to make a request to other guys. He, he prayed to his God as he always did. And I'll tell you something, it's just a great reminder that no matter what's going on in our world, there is a God still who has his hands on things. And although God does not condone the wicked decisions and choices that these men are making in the direction that our world is going and leadership is going, uh, there's a God at work at this. And quite frankly, uh, the Bible does say things have got to wax worse and worse before he comes again. And so the truth of the matter is, I don't want to go through the worse and worse, but, but the, the fact of the matter is, things have to get to the place where, where there could be a one-world government. Uh, where there could be, as much as I want to fight against it, a, a world currency that would affect and be able to control people financially. And there's a lot of things we're seeing today, aren't, aren't we, that kind of like hasten and look at, tell us to look at, we, we look at it and say, can't believe this is going on. But there's a God in heaven who's still in control. And the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He turneth it whithersoever he will. Never forget that. I love what, what Solomon wrote. And even though it doesn't fit in the outline, it's just a great principle. 
and that was free. That was totally free, totally not even in the message, but that was just free for your good tonight. All right, so what are the characteristics of good authorities? Here's what we've already learned. Uh, let's walk, help me out, okay? Uh, those that have been here on Wednesday nights, you should have this all the way, I think, to through number eight or maybe even number nine. So let's walk through these characteristics of good authorities. Under letter A, number one, what's the first thing we learned in chapter eight, verses 15 to 17? That's right. They love and they, they seek wisdom. A good leader does that. And let's, again, make the application, not just saying, oh, wow, look at our leaders. They don't love and they're not seeking wisdom. I know that. Okay? But let's look at our lives and say, all right, if I'm a leader, do I love and do, am I seeking God's wisdom? Do I every day get into the Word of God and find out what God has for my life because I love and I'm seeking wisdom? Because, look, I can't, as a pastor, I can't lead this church unless I love and seek wisdom. Here's the truth. You can't lead your home right unless you're loving and seeking wisdom. You can't be a good, a good worker, a good boss, and a good authority over others under you unless you're loving and seeking wisdom. So if you skip time in the Word of God, you're going you're gonna to be failing, failing God in many way, ways. All right, second thing we learned, going to chapter 14 then. This, another time we see King mentioned, what do we learn? Number two? Okay, they care for those under their authority. Uh, this is really, it's a thought-provoking verse in chapter 14 and verse 28. Um, and it really sounds rather interesting, but uh, it's an honor for a king to have a large kingdom. That kind of seems to be the idea. Not because he conquers, but ultimately because he's a good leader. Because a good leader, people want to be under, and people want to be under that kind of authority. I'll tell you, there's been, there's been some people I've been happy that have gotten elected, haven't you? And there's some others, I am very unhappy that they got elected, and I'd rather not be under their authority. Um, the present authority right now um, is one that I'd rather not be under, although that's God's plan for us. It's wonderful to be reminded that, look, those who are good leaders care for those under their authority. All right, third thing that we learned uh, in chapter 14, verse 35, 16, 13, 22, 11, and 25, 5, we learn, number three, there we go, they favor good men and frown upon bad. Here's something to always look for, that, or, or at least consider, who are those who are running for office, who are they trying to win the votes of? Who are they trying to win the favor of? Um, the people they're, they're courting, if you would, um, kind of give you an indication of the kind of person that they are. And, uh, and if, they don't, if they are favoring bad people, if they're trying to garner the vote of those who, whose lives are, yeah, okay, perverse, then look, that, that's not the kind of person that you want in authority. An authority should favor good men and frown upon those who are bad. The fourth thing that we learn, how, how do they seek to rule? Justly, in chapter 16 and verse 10, chapter 20 and verse 8, chapter 29 and verse 4, they seek to rule justly. Number five, what do we learn about good leaders and, and good authorities? Very good. They love righteousness and they hate evil. Um, you know, you, you should, uh, a good leader should, um, should just hate evil of every kind. Um, 
a good leader should hate the killing of babies. Always. All the time. A good leader um, should hate people who are perverse in their ways. Um, a, a, a good leader should, should hate someone who's a man but, but wants to act like a woman or who's a woman and wants to act like a man. There's things that good leaders should, should hate. And yes, they should hate. It's not a bad word and it's not a sinful word. There's things that, that God hates, by the way. And so uh, that's another characteristic. Uh, number six, they're what? I guess we weren't on nine, were we? Okay, this is where we ended up. They are a terror to evildoers. Do you know that um, it's a good thing if bad people hate certain people that are running for office? It, it, it should be a sign to you that maybe there's something good about that person. Uh, because uh, the, the truth is, uh, those who are good leaders are always a terror to people who are doing evil. And people who are doing evil then are going to hate uh, some people who are running for office who are a threat to them. Um, and, and wow, we've come a long way, haven't we, in America? When I look at this list, I think, wow, yes, we've come a long way because it's hard to find anything like that. Now we're in chapter, let's go to chapter 20. We're, we're right there, aren't we? Right next, right, the chapter before what we first looked at. Uh, in chapter 20 and verse 28, someone read that verse for me, please, if you would. Okay, so how does a good leader rule? He rules by two things. Okay, what? Mercy and truth. They rule by mercy and truth. A good leader adds to his life the virtues of both mercy and truth. We were reminded this morning, and I thought it was great when Brother Beals, I think it was, brought, brought out this fact. You know a king, King Solomon and every other king, which, by the way, you talked about the horses and things like that. Yeah. King Solomon, you can read about it, multiplied horses up for himself, and he went down to Egypt to get them, and he ended up marrying the, 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 the one who probably played the rough Yeah, he missed a lot. He missed, he missed everything in that. So he blew it, all right? We were talking about that this morning, and I just lost my, my train of thought just when I, stopped it when, when I, brought, when I brought up the fact. Okay, so, so let's go back to, and I will get back to this train of thought and this idea, okay? Um, but, uh, oh, one of the things that they were supposed to do, thank you very much for reminding me, Brother Deals, is that they were supposed to have a copy of the Bible next to them, and that they were supposed to read that Bible every day. Uh, in fact, Joshua was told this that this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. And so that was a command for all leadership. Hey, let me ask you something. Think about this. If we're making an application, and we can, to all leadership, does that not mean that every Christian should have the word of God by them and every day read it? If you're going to be a good leader... If you're going to have the authority that God wants you to have and be a proper leader, whether that's a dad or a mom or whatever, you need the word of God. And you need the word of God in your life on a daily basis. You need to have it there because it's going to direct and give you wisdom that you need to make the right decisions in life. And, uh, and it's, it's said that, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know if Solomon actually had that by him, but mercy and truth 
are found in the Word of God. And, and uh, uh, the, the good leader adds to his life these virtues, both mer mercy and then truth. He needs to know what the Bible has to say. Do you know Jesus was full of grace and truth, a companion-type idea that is taught in the New Testament many times? Imagine this. We're in a courtroom. A judge presiding has two cases on the, on the docket in the morning. Uh, first man is a repeat offender. He's been caught driving under the influence of alcohol numerous times. He seems to have um, <clears throat> genuine tears as he asks for leniency in his case as he stands before the judge. But the judge cites numerous offenses, and he comes down hard on this man, and he makes him pay for the wrong that he's done. It's happened too many times. I've had enough. Here's what's going to happen. And so he gets, the, if you would, the book thrown in him. And you say, well, good. All right, case number two, next guy comes in. Um, he's arrested for the same offense, drunk driving. It's his first offense. He's never done anything like that before. Um, the, the judge is, actually has been informed already about the fact that there were some extenuating circumstances. It's not an excuse. By the way, drinking is just not, just not wise. It's not right, and a Christian shouldn't do it, and those people who preach social drinking are okay, are, are fools. But, but uh, that's, that's another message for another time that we've dealt with before. But um, uh, anyway, here's this guy and here's this situation that's happened. The judge uh, is aware of all these things that led to this foolish action. Uh, this man also is very remorseful for his deed. And the judge um, lets this man off with what people would probably call a slap on the hand. Now, someone might leave the courtroom that day and say, well, that judge was unfair. He's a bad judge. Look at what he did to this guy. Look at what he did to this guy. The circumstances, though, were different. And by the way, uh, he very well might have been ruling by both mercy and truth. In one case, uh, the mercy had been extended already, and he needed to act upon truth. In the other he needed to act upon truth, and so there was some sort of punishment, but he also was acting in mercy. And mercy and truth really are companion virtues. They're very important virtues together in a man's life. Someone who is only truthful or only deals in truth is going to be many times a, a very hateful person and is going to be a very, um, and, and you know what, they're, they're the kind of person that no one wants to be under their authority. Someone who's always merciful, people would like to be under their authority because they know they're going to get away with everything. Do you know this is bad for a mom or a dad to be always merciful or always just truth? Mercy and truth are vital in good leadership together in companion with one another so that you never forget. And, and this is what's interesting about this is that each person seems to me, as far as, far as I've observed from people, to either be on one side or the other generally. Um, I would be, anyone want to guess which side I would generally be on? Yeah, mercy, mercy, without a, without a doubt, about that. I'm just a softy. I just let everyone get away with everything. Why are you laughing? It makes people laugh. No, it's, it's, it's truth for me. Sometimes this is an area that's difficult for me, is mercy. 
here's the thing. There's, there's the truth. Yeah, pastor, that is your problem. But, but here's, here's the fact. There are some people in our church, and I, we won't, I'm not going to name names, but there are some people in our church who are on the mercy plan. And, and I thank them. That's a great quality. It's a wonderful quality. But what you have to concern yourself with and be very careful about is that you don't let people get away with things that they shouldn't get away with by forsaking truth. Every Christian needs in their own life this balance between mercy and truth. And God says that a good leader has to learn to do that. He has to stand for that which is right, and he's got to judge. So look, you know, that judge might have been the very best judge in the world that morning. As he worked and dealt in two different cases, two different people that needed to be dealt with in different ways, but both with this, this idea of both mercy and truth coming together and working together. And um, now I don't know what side you're on, but you probably know whether you're on the mercy side or you're on the truth side, and whatever is stronger, you might say, you know, I'm just perfectly balanced. Good for you. <laughs> because it really is something that a Christian needs to work on and understand that if your tendency is to focus more on truth, then you're going to have to remember mercy. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was so, you know what? He was both mercy and truth. He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone. And each one of those men got up and walked away. Shamed. And then he looks at the woman and says, neither do I condemn thee sin no more. Mercy, truth. In every way, Jesus Christ showed this beautiful balance. That's what good leadership does. And this, quite frankly, is a vital issue for everyone in leadership. Moms and dads and pastors and teachers and in all areas of life, in the business world, we just need people who rule by both mercy and truth. Chapter 29 and verse 14 gives us yet another principle. And we're going to move quickly on the next point. We're just focusing now on what good leaders are. In chapter 29 and verse 14, someone read that. I put it this way, they do not practice favoritism. You know, have you heard the statement, Just, justice is supposed to be blind? There is a sense in which that's true. Judgment is not supposed to be determined by who has the most money, who's the more influential person. Decisions are to be made in the court of law by what is right. A good leader does this. By the way, it would be a great blessing to me if we would start doing this more more in court system in the court system where we got away from this idea that if someone can afford high priced lawyers they can get off from basically anything and those that don't have much money get some public defender that doesn't care about them anyway and uh, you know basically they end up getting getting stuck because we don't have justice in the courtroom we have judges who are making decisions and oh boy I, yeah I, if this one gets over the air, um, you know, we could be in a lot of trouble here. 
But the, the truth of the matter is uh, this idea of favoritism is so, is so rev- relevant and I- important for us to understand. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't vote and you don't deal with people according to, to the color of their skin, to their influence. Let me tell you that uh, a pastor needs to practice this. Well, they're a big giver. We're not going to make an issue about that sin. It's a temptation. But a good leader says right is right, wrong is wrong, sin is sin. You don't practice favoritism. When I thought of this point, and let's make the application to, to just leadership in, in the home. You know who I thought of? I thought of Joseph. Not because Joseph showed favoritism, but because his father did. Joseph had that Joseph was favored by his dad. His sons are all out taking care of the sheep. Joseph's not. Why was Joseph sold into Egypt? I'll tell you, because partially, at least to some extent, because he had a father that wasn't a good leader. Because he favored a son. Look, that happens. There are parents... She's, uh, yeah, she's his favorite. She's a, a daddy's girl. She gets away from, with anything. Uh, what good leaders don't favor one kid over, over another. I, I, have you observed that in, in families? In, in maybe even in, in your own family? Schwanky's always had a, sh- a Schwanky reunion on uh, the night of Christmas. And there's one family, I think I mentioned before, my, my uncle Walt McCaukey and, um, and my aunt, and they had two sons. The older son was a pretty handsome guy. He was, he was talented in many ways. Um, and my uncle Walt always was talking about the older son, how great his son was and all of his accomplishments. Always, always wanted to tell us. Uh, in high school, he's in sports or whatever. He did this and he did that, and they always talked about how great their older son was. Never, ever heard them say one good thing about their younger son. Ever! In fact, if anything, it was just kind of like he was ignored and kind of pushed, pushed down. There were times, in fact, he said negative things about him. Never, ever heard him say anything good about the younger son. Older son graduates from high school, goes into the military, and so boy, every year at Christmas, we're hearing about his military exploits and how wonderful, uh, you know, a, a military guy he was. And, and, um, and oh, he played the accordion. Yeah, yeah, he played the accordion. So, so my unc- uncle, Uncle McCaukey, always had him pull out the accordion and play for us. Um, and it really was, it was embarrassing. You could tell there's like a distinction between these two people. The thing that was interesting to me is that when my uncle and aunt got to be where they couldn't even care for themselves, you want to know which son had him in the home and, and who was caring for him and who took care of him until they died? The young one. It's an amazing thing. The one that they constantly berated, not the one that they praised all the time. And I'm not saying the one that, that was 
Sarah didn't do anything for that little man by doing this favoritism as a sin, whether it's whether it's in the court of law or whether it's in your home with your kids. Your, your, your kids should all be treated the same. Not according to their age, we get that, we understand that, but they should be treated properly and they ought to be punished just like any other. Well, well, yeah, but you understand they're, they're, they're girls or that's, you know, or you understand they're, they're different. No, look, you don't practice favoritism and this is, uh, this is an important truth. Uh, we, we come to the end in Proverbs of, of this, these last two points. And in Proverbs chapter 30, 31, uh, it's kind of an interesting point. Just wanted to bring it out. So turn to Proverbs 31 for a moment, would you? And we have King Lemuel. Actually, that's the third one. I'm sorry, I forgot to say that. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy, get this, that his mother taught him. Now, Proverbs 31 is instruction to a young man that he was actually that he was taught before he became a king the point to be made from verse one is that good leaders are those who are good learners i put it this way they're ever learning but good leaders always understand that there's things to be learned those who think they know everything and act that way are horrible leaders the truth is this king learned from his mother and he still needed to be learning. And, and I guess that's just the point to be made. There never comes a time in your life where you don't have to learn. I don't care how old you are. You still make mistakes. You would think, you know, after, I, you know, I've been in ministry for now 75 years, you know, and you would think by now I have it down as a pastor. I just wouldn't make mistakes, and I'd still make them. Um, parents, have you ever thought there's got to come a time when, you know, this gets easier? I'm sorry. <laughs> it just doesn't. Boy, I'm glad you're encouraging tonight. There's, there's the mercy. There's just truth in it. But, uh, you know, uh, here's the thing. You, you, you finally think, yeah, I, I finally got this parenting thing. And then your kid grows up, you know, another, a year later and, and uh, a whole new set of problems. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? And here's the truth. You know, anyone that has a book out there, parenting for this, we'll deal with all these problems, we'll solve your problems. You know, it doesn't work that way. There's just always things to be learned. It doesn't matter what age you are. There, there are always things. There's, there's new mistakes you haven't made before. <laughs> I'm sorry to discourage you, but there just are. And so a good leader, Seriously, is one who's ever learned. Just understands. I, I don't arrive. I'm not there. I don't have all the answers. I blow it sometimes. And when I blow it, I get it back. By the way, that's an important thing for a good leader. A good leader says, you know what? We weren't right. We weren't right about masks. We weren't right about the danger of the shot. We weren't right. A good leader does that. We weren't right about six feet. And there's a lot more we weren't right about. A good leader is willing to say, I made a mistake, and I'm going to learn from my mistake, and I'm not going to do this again. And here's how we're going to deal with it. Uh, when a dad makes a mistake, hey, when a dad make a, makes a mistake, if a dad fails his kids, he needs to go to his kids and his kids know it. 
kids to make it rain. Oh, I never apologize to my kids. Then you're not a good dad. If you punish someone that shouldn't have been punished, you found out later that they had a different kid did it and they pulled the wool over your eyes. A good dad goes to the child he punished and said, I did it wrong. I shouldn't have punished you. I should have found out that early on before I became a dad. And then they correct the one who lied. And they correct them for the offense as well. As good leadership as ever understands I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I make it right. They deal with things. A good leader is ever learning. And uh, I'm thankful that this king learned. He learned some, for some good things. Um, and uh, so they're ever learning. And then, uh, and this goes along with that, but we'll end, uh, give you number 10. They give attention to their conduct. Look, a father shouldn't be sitting at home while the kids are at church. Uh, a mother shouldn't be doing that either a, a father shouldn't be controlled by some vice or a mother like drinking or smoking and then they tell the kids don't get involved in drugs you know you know what the kid says when they see that <laughs> look at you yeah you're sitting there with your beer telling me not to not to do drugs look give attention to your conduct understand this you know, Paul stressed that fact. He said, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Whether you're a pastor or whether you're a teacher in a Sunday school class, whether you're a dad or whether you're a mom, how you live and the way you conduct yourself is vitally important. All right? Good leaders are concerned about their conduct and the way that they're living. Good lessons, aren't they? Now, let's go through the book of Proverbs very quickly, and I'm just going to actually give you a lot of these points and the conduct of those under authority. And maybe this is more where it, it, the rubber will meet the road for you, but I think we've hit on a lot of things that, quite frankly, even moms and dads struggle with that we've looked at in those principles that we gave about kings. But we're going to just give you a list of these things. The conduct of those under authority. Do you know as we go back through the book of Proverbs and look at these king verses, okay, and princes, a number of them deal with the people who are under their authority. Go back to chapter 16. We're not going to look up every verse. So, but go back to chapter 16. And if you look at verse 14, here's where we have this picture of we got a king. But it's not about a king in this verse. He says, the wrath of a king is as messengers of death. In other words, you don't want to be on the bad side of a king. Isn't that right? By the way, I've said this, I said this just recently. I never wanted to be on the bad side of my dad. Because I knew what that meant. I knew that I'd be going to the bedroom, my mom and dad's bedroom, and I knew, I knew that I didn't want to go there. And it's not because... They had a TV in their room, and I can watch it all day. It's because, well, because my dad knew how to use the belt. I was struck with a belt, yes, many times. That's why, that's why I turned out the way I did. <laughs> thank you, Dad. I didn't thank him then. But in verse 14, look, he says, The wrath of the king is as messengers of death, but a wise man will do what? Pacify. Look, those who are under authority, get this, wise men pacify rather than incite anger and leadership. 
Um, the three Hebrew children aroused the ire of King Nebuchadnezzar, but they did so because they had to. Daniel aroused the ire of those who were his peers or whatever, but he did so because he was seeking to please God. And there's a time where we have to do right. Uh, John and, and Peter stood up before the men. And he says, you know, we have a choice, and you, you can decide what we have to do, but, but here's what God says, and here's what you're telling us. And if you tell us we can't witness for Jesus Christ, we're going to have to witness for Jesus Christ. Sometimes a Christian is going to arouse the ire of authority because they do what God wants them to do because there's a higher authority that says this is what you ought to do. But I'll tell you something. Good, wise people under authority pacify those who are in authority and don't arouse their ire. But look, don't talk smart to a police officer who stops you for speeding. If you were speeding, just take the ticket. That's free. But this is all part of the, the idea. You know, we've got so many people that just will, they'll talk back to authorities. Show respect for authority. By the way, don't ever talk down. If you send your kids to public school, don't talk down to teachers before your kids. They're authorities. Have a respect for them and don't incite their ire. If you don't have to, there's enough things a Christian has to incite the anger of those in authority over that we shouldn't ask for it. So wise men pacify rather than incite anger and leadership. And that's found not just in Proverbs 16, 14, and 15, but it's found in chapter 19, verse 12, chapter 20, and verse 2, and you can look those up. Wise men love a pure heart, chapter 22 and verse 11. Chapter 22, verse 11, the Bible says, He that loveth pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. You, you know, you want to win the favor of a good king, a good leader? Then, then focus in your life on having a pure heart. In the business world, it's not unusual for people to try to win the favor of leadership uh, so they might move up the corporate ladder. But what a Christian needs to concern themselves with is being godly. And if that means you don't get moved up the corporate ladder, so be it, but be godly. And the truth is, if you have good leadership over you and a good boss, the boss is going to appreciate the fact that you seek to live for God. And many times you'll find that that gets favored. All right, third thing we learn about wise men. Wise men are diligent in business. In chapter 22, verse 29, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Wise men are diligent in business. Lazy people aren't going to be called upon to lead and influence others most of the time. It's those who know how to work hard who are most often rewarded with the opportunity to influence the world. Stop being lazy. That's a Boy, we can really hit on some things hard, can't we? Um, there was a Christian years ago in a former ministry. He went to work at a place of business, and he wasn't liked by his fellow employees. And it's not because he was a bad person. It's not because he was lazy or cantankerous or a bad, uh, a bad employee. Here's the reason he was hated. is because he was moved up, and he became an authority, and actually became, he, he, he was over a bunch of guys that had worked there a lot longer in the business. And here's why he got promoted each and every time. Because the owners of the business did what a good owner should do, they, they recognized and rewarded people who worked hard and did their job. And that's what this guy did. He was a good worker. He was, he was just willing to do whatever he was asked to do. And he kept getting moved up. And everyone, and, and a number of guys 
that ended up under him had been there years more than he had been there. We're really upset about the fact he was put in that position, but he got there because he was willing to die on for doing this good work that he was someone that could be counted on. And that's, honestly, that's the kind of person uh, good leadership should want. Wise men are diligent in business. Wise men, we learn, number four, have a deep respect for God and for authority. Chapter 24, verse 21. My son, fear thou the Lord and the king, and meddle not with them that are given to change. They have a deep respect for God and authority. Now, there may be little respect for the personal life of a leader. In fact, I, I, I can't say we've had many leaders in office for probably a while who are really respectable as far as their personal life is concerned. Isn't that shameful? It's, it really is. It's embarrassing. Um, and we, under, we understand that may be the, the, the case, but, but there's a position they hold, and God has given it to them, and the position needs to be respected. That's why I say, don't talk back to a police officer that stopped you. There's a position they hold, show respect. Show respect for the position they hold. Well, they, they gave me a ticket unfairly. Show respect for the position they held. The judge didn't deal with it right. Show respect for the position they held. That doesn't mean you agree with everything that they do. It doesn't mean that they do that which is right all the time. Show respect for the position they hold because God has placed them there and, and uh, they're an authority and you need to show that respect. Number five, wise men practice humility. They practice humility. Chapter 25, verse 6. Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king. Stand not in the place of great men. For it is be for better it, it is that it be said unto thee, Come up hither, than that thou shouldest be put lower in the presence of the prince whom thine eyes have seen. In other words, look, stop worrying about putting yourself up and just be humble. Um, uh, Haman is a great, in the story of Esther, Haman is, is one that, I just laugh at it. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, who would the king want to honor but me? And then it happens to be Mordecai, the guy that he hates, that he ends up carry, taking around and proclaiming, this man is favorite of the king. I, I mean, you couldn't get any better than that in a story, can you? A true story. It's just an amazing thing. But those that lift up themselves will be, will be humiliated. God will take care of that. Um, those that humble themselves will be exalted. Wise men practice humility. And it's a good thing in, in the position in, when you're under authority. And then wise men learn from those in authority. Wise men learn from those in authority. King Lemuel learned from his mother. Isn't that great? So king, wise men learn from those in authority. Hey, kids, learn from your parents. Learn from your parents. Because they are a lot wiser than you. And they've lived a lot longer than you. And there are things that if you'll learn from them, you'll benefit by. Wise men learn from those in authority. An application. All right, so here's some, some things to do real quickly. Consider, consider, as we make an application, consider, evaluate your actions on both sides of leadership. Are you a good leader? Are you a good person under authority? See, we can go back to these lists. Put them before yourself and ask yourself this question. Am I a good leader? What about these six things that, uh, under leadership? And what about these ten things for leadership that Solomon brings out? Consider. Value your actions. Number two, confess. Failures need to be made right with God and those whom you've wronged. I've already said that. But there are times where you need to go and you need to get it right. 
if, if you and your wife get into a shouting match with one another and your kids hear it, you need to not only get it right with your wife and your wife needs to get it right with her husband, but you need to get it right with your kids too if they heard it. Because you've done wrong. Uh, third thing, counsel. Get help if needed to do right. You know, we feel like we can handle things. But some people are controlled by things that are, are hurting their life and they never do anything about it. They just say, oh, I need to change that and I wish I could. Get help. There are times when getting good counsel will help you. Get help if needed to do right. And then the last thing is change. Begin acting in a biblical manner. So, so here's the thing. Solomon talks about leadership. He gives great principles for leaders. He also talks about his own authority. He gives great principles for those people. Look at both. Find out what position you're in. And actually, the truth is you're going to be in both. And look at your life and say, can I be a better person under authority? Can I be a better leader? And if you can, do something about it. Get going. Take some action. Become the kind of leader God wants you to be. Because that's what God wants you to do. We have a desperate need. We have a desperate need, don't we, for good leadership. Not just in America. I mean, we just need good leadership. We need good parents. We need good people at work. And we need good people under authority who do what they're supposed to do and support authority and lift them up and don't tear them down. So I want us just to be learned. Not, not, honestly, never thought we'd ever teach on P's and principles Never. But there are some really good problems. Help anyone who's interested in being a good leader and being one under authority. And I hope you'll allow God's word to speak to you. Father, thanks for your word. Thanks for the help it's, it gives us. And thank you for the book of Proverbs where in, um, we can take a, a topic, a, a subject, we can take a, a, a word and a situation like kings and we can learn so many valuable things to guide us in life and may we take these principles and may they be part of our life and if we need to make improvement may we make take some action to be either a good leader or a good person under authority for your glory for your honor i pray in jesus name amen lord bless you as you lead right or you work under authority you work right you're dismissed